0: There was never a declaration of war, just as there was never a declaration of peace. Andrew Johnson simply said, yeah, we're not fighting anymore.
1: You are listening to And If Love Remains, a unique show spotlighting people, ideas, science, culture, and art. Your host... Mike Lovett. This is Mike Lovett, your sometimes virtuous, occasionally vile, but always virile host. And with your help, we will make this podcast this show this and you're going to want this one to go viral my friends you're going to want this to go viral cuz we have again our our good friend of the program Dr. Joe Wolverton on the teacher of liberty welcome to the show sir
0: gracias hermano un placer estar aquí con contigo i am very happy to be here with you let's do it we we uh, we all right I have not been on a podcast well that's not true i was on what podcast was i on the other day
1: I, I know you were doing a live stream with somebody a little a little bit ago. Yeah,
0: I don't remember who it was. I now. saw yeah. that
1: after the stream.
0: Oh yeah, that was yeah that was um, Dave Vance, who has an organization, uh, Tennesseans for State Sovereignty, mm. and so of course, um, you know, groups like that are right in my wheelhouse because I live in oh, Tennessee, yeah. and and he's a good guy. Turns out, it's a crazy story about me that I'd never heard of him. He'd heard of me and found out that I lived in Tennessee and he got really excited and it turns out that we are both army brats. We both, uh, lived in Europe for a long time. Uh, he ended up joining the army and retiring with the same unit that my dad retired from the 101st airborne. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy. We had all these crazy like points of, of a connection between him and just did not know that before, but he has a good show, Tennessee informer. And, like I say, it's not like one of those shows that you'd really care about if you're living in Arizona because, he, <laughs> well, I mean, he focuses on Tennessee issues. He, there's a, a state rep, or I guess he is a state rep, a yeah, state rep that has a, uh, a blanket nullification bill that he offers mm-hmm. every session and they're behind that. And uh, I'm behind that of course. And so, yeah, it's a very Tennessee centric show, but he's, it's good information if you are in Tennessee, because uh, today, of course, here where I live in Memphis is election day. Ah, uh, which well, uh, and
1: that's you know, the, always you know, as you can see with my favorite Joe Wolverton hat.
0: There you go, man. Um, Rep, repping right. the merch. <laughs> that's
1: right, but but you know, states' rights is, is something I think you know. It, it's funny. They're the, the the um, the saying used to be, you know, anything that matters is all local, mm-hmm. um, and now it's it's become. I mean. Who cares? You know, who cares who your dog catcher is? Who cares yeah. who your mayor is? Who cares who your state reps are? Um, yeah. You know, all we care about is Biden versus Trump.
0: Yeah. I, there's a whole chapter in my What Degree of Madness book about that, that um, it's Potomac fever. It's catching, You you know, local politics is simply a stepping stone for national politics, which is anathema to the entire structure created by the founding fathers they would, they would have considered being president a step down from being governor. Uh, whereas we can, if you're not president, you're not leader of the free world until so you don't matter. Right. Uh, whereas those of us, you know, you, me, other people that have a correct understanding of the proper constitutional structure and the relationship between states and the feds understand that as governor, you have immense, you have inordinately more power than the president. I mean, The president has next, I mean, unless we're at war, the president or, or with regard to, um, foreign affairs, the president is next to powerless, Mm. you know, he's a figurehead more than anything. And, um governor, whew, at least in Tennessee, governor has a lot of, and I imagine, I know in Arizona, having lived there well, for many years. Yeah. The governor has a lot of power there too.
1: But, but I think you're right. Like it, it changes, you know, you know, e- economics is all about finding out, you know, what the, um, uh, you know, what somebody's motivation is. And, and right. if your motivation is wrong, then it, it causes all sorts of problems. And you think about like, for example, if you're the attorney general of a state, well, your goal is to become the, the governor. I mean, that, that anybody who right. becomes attorney general, your goal is to become governor. And how do you become governor? You become attorney general and you put a lot of people in jail. You, you don't care about civil rights. You don't care much about anything other than, or, or you care about two things, getting money from powerful people, George Soros, et cetera, and, and putting lots of people in jail so that you can show that you're tough on crime yeah. and, can, and become governor. And then yeah, from there, you become governor. You, you, your goal is to become president.
0: Yeah, or senator, something federal, right? And yeah, that that chapter in that book, "What Degree of Madness?" that I wrote, the just illustrates so much. And I remember insisting on putting that chapter in there because it's a hard, you know, it's a hard obstacle to overcome for most people to explain to them that your state government, your state legislature, your state governor, is intended to be so much more powerful, but we. Enervate those offices by looking to Washington for everything,
1: mm-hmm. whereas
0: everything we're searching for, and I mean everything, if you want to be a full blown communist with with a um, you know a, a living wage paid to you and and single payer health care and you know seven months off work every year paid, if you want to be just a full blown Nordic socialist the The constitutional structure of the United States, the the the, the federated uh, union, provides opportunity for that, and that was the founders' idea that you would have these, in our case, in their case, thirteen; in our case, fifty little laboratories of liberty. Right. And the proof would be in the pudding, right? The proof would be kind of the way it is now, but not to the degree it ought to be. For example, the whole, you know. Flight out of California to Tennessee, which is famous out here because, gosh, you go to Nashville and it's like you're in you know Los Angeles East,
1: right? <laughs> and
0: um, the idea being that people are fleeing California for a state with we do, we have no income tax here, we uh, have low property tax, we are very liberty minded for the most part, and so you have people fleeing out here, and that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, but it's supposed to work the other way as well. That is to say, that street should be a two-way street. If you're in Tennessee and you prefer socialism rather than trying to, you know, convert everyone in this state to to your socialist ideas, go to California and 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 you know you have a lot less uh, a lot less work ahead of you to get to that place you want to get, and you probably get more traction, and you get. Uh, more influence because you're yeah. going to have people that are like-minded. Whereas here, if you came out with a bill that says, you know, we're going to introduce single payer healthcare, it's not, it's not going to make it out of committee. Whereas right. in California, you're liable to actually get that to be a a statute for your state, you know? Well,
1: and, and, you know, it's funny. It, you know, I, I recently did a, a show where all I did was, was recite the, the speech that Patrick Henry yeah, gave, yeah. I saw you that, know, yeah. at, at the, his, uh, the, the, the
0: Virginia, uh, Virginia convention Virginia. for,
1: yeah. for the, the constitution. Yeah. And you know, if you reading that speech, it helped me, you know, reorg not reorganize, but, but re think about like, what were these people thinking? And, and it's exactly what you're saying. Like he mentions um, uh, I think Holland uh, yeah. where he, where he says, you know, there, there's a 400 year history of a Republic where he had desperate different You had kingdoms, you had republics, you had democracy, you had all kinds of different city-states and and countries that were working together for for a common cause, and and that was the idea: is that is that you could have all of these different, you know, as you say, laboratories working one another and just coming together for certain specific and 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 very small reasons.
0: Well, I I wrote an article. I think it's been published already. I think I I think it was yesterday that it was published. Maybe the day before, actually. About the convention of states, people talking about how um, they kept using the phrase "federal Congress," federal Congress, and I'm like, there is no other Congress, man. There's no, no state calls its mm-hmm. legislature Congress, and I said, and there's a lesson in that, man. Only the federal legislature is called Congress because only the federal legislature qualifies as a Congress, because. Congress means the meeting of ambassadors of various countries who come together to hammer out issues that they have in common. Well, that's only true of the federal union because you have 50, as James Madison says in Federalist 39, 15 sovereign and independent republics confederated in a union Uh, And the government of that union is granted, which means in writing and revocable, is granted certain powers over a few and defined areas. And so when they were saying federal Congress, federal Congress, I'm like, do they think there's another one? And and the fact (laughs) is they don't know. No one knows. If you ask people, because I think it's always a good question that I ask, like in speeches and in classes, why didn't our founding fathers, okay, they had the Senate that they got from Rome and Sparta. We had the House of Representatives that we got from, you know, Athens and and Rome. Why didn't we call that body, the legislative body, why didn't we call it parliament since we were British and parliament was something we were obviously very familiar with? Why didn't we, where did we get that word? Congress. And literally, Mike, whenever I asked that question in class or in a speech, no, I have never met one person that knew the answer to that question.
1: I've I've been in some of those speeches and and I've and I've seen that I didn't know until you I think it's an important I think it's an you know words matter. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lesson in what, one word. Yeah, and 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 they use that for a specific reason. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, I know you just recently did a podcast about that, but what you know, why did they use the word um, Congress versus parliament. What, what were the, I mean, what does that word mean versus a parliament?
0: Right. Well, you know, you can use the rules, like for example, Emmer de in, in his book laid out the rules for interpreting, uh, contracts, deeds, constitutions, any document that is maybe ancient to you or, or very old. He says, you know, the first rule is to find how that word was used in contempt by contemporary writers. And so a very easy. And so as far as the concerned, Benjamin Franklin said, every member of Congress carried a copy of the to Congress with him. Uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. You yeah. can't say that about John Locke. You can't say that about Montesquieu. So um, if you go to a contemporary, right. So you go to the most contemporary that I've found that's of any sort of influence is Edmund Burke, who was giving a speech to the electors of Bristol? Now, Bristol's a town in England, you know, ship shape in Bristol fashion, the famous shipping town, Bristol. Um, so, the people of Bristol, so the elect, they call them the electors. It basically means the people qualified to vote. Okay. So, they complain that Bristol, their town, is not being represented in Parliament. And Edmund Burke, as a member of Parliament from Bristol, goes to Bristol to give a speech. Now, you can look this up online. it's, It's a famous speech. It's called Edmund Burke's Speech to the Electors of Bristol from 1774. And in that speech, at the very top, you get the best definition and distinction, compare and contrast between Congress and Parliament. And Edmund Burke explains to them he says, Parliament is not a repre- is not a body of representative of different uh of different societies, different um different communities. Parliament represents the whole of England. Every member of Parliament represents London as much as he represents Bristol. Mm. That we divide it up into voting districts, but only to facilitate voting and the counting thereof so, not at so all. in other words
1: an MP a member of
0: parliament mm-hmm. is
1: basically representing the government to the people versus the other way around no
0: it represents the people it represents the people but all the people oh
1: so you need to take and consider not just your district but but everybody right. in the country right
0: you don't it may say you know MP Bristol that means you were elected by the the voters of Bristol but not to represent Bristol. Right. Right. And so Edmund Burke explains, it's like, you guys don't understand. Parliament represents all of the nation. Congress, he says the word, Congress, you're wanting, he says, what you're thinking of is a Congress. And a Congress is a meeting of ambassadors from different um, societies who come together to represent the special particular interests of their constituents right, at a meeting of all the other different ambassadors from the different countries. That, he says, is a Congress. And we don't have that in England, he says. We have a parliament. So Mm -hmm. no, the people in Bristol aren't represented as being people of Bristol. They're represented as, as being British, as being English, but not... And so... If you go, so then, so that's one place we learned that the difference between Congress and Parliament. And then you go to Samuel Johnson's Dictionary of seventeen eighty six, and the the definition is you know a meeting of ambassadors from various uh, states. To uh, that's basically all it says: a a meeting of ambassadors of, of separate states, meaning states, meaning political organizations. Right, and so congress that word was chosen specifically because we're not supposed to be one nation we are a confederacy of 50 nations and, and so representatives wow. of those distinct nations meet together for to hammer out issues that they have in common which madison says will be very few and defined because most of the things that affect your life should be decided by your state government.
1: Right now. And again, this kind of goes, back, and I'm going to reference just cause it's in my mind. Cause I just recently recited it, that Patrick Henry speech mm-hmm. where he talks about one of the problems or one of the weaknesses of the, of the constitution um, is the, is how language, how, how, um, how, how, how it's not very defined, you know, the it's language very is very defined. Yeah. And so one of the, one of the points he makes is like, let's look at let's talk about representation and let's talk about how many people 30 for every 30,000 people you have at least one. Um, and, or, or there'll be, there'll be no more than, I forget how the language is mm-hmm, said, mm-hmm, but my point mm-hmm. is like that has been morphed and it's, it's totally legal under the constitution, the way it's been morphed because it, it wasn't set specifically. No. And now we're not, we're not being representative at, representative as we would have before. You know, there should, there should be 1,500, uh, you know, representatives. Members of there's, Congress. I don't know what the members of the House are a lot more than what yeah. there is.
0: Yeah. And um, that isn't clear. I mean, if you look, Mike, if you look – let me get this. If you look at the black letter of Article 2 in the Constitution, there's nothing that says we have to have a presidential election every four years. I mean – Just look at the black letter. We're not going to, not how we've interpreted it, but how it's written. It simply says that, let me turn it over here. It says, the executive, so section one of article two, the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States. He shall hold his office during the term of four years. Okay, well, if I hold it for 10 years, I've held it for four. Right. There's nothing in there well, that says and, every and, four years. Now, Congress, it does say, if you go to Congress, it says, you know, they have to be elected every two or six years, depending on the on whether it's the House or the Senate. Right. But the president just says he shall hold his term of office for four years.
1: I mean, you can make a case maybe that, that you don't even need a president. I mean, it says that if there is a president, you know, when there is a president, he holds it for four years. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Say there I'm not to. a lawyer, but.
0: Well, my point was, and I've made this in articles, is like you could have a president who's just clever enough to say, "Well, we're not having an election," particularly if he was popular, mm-hmm. and say, "Well, we'll have one, you know, in a few years." Well, no, we have to have him every four years. That's not what the Constitution says. But here's the thing,
1: though. I mean, isn't it the states that 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 are in charge of the elections?
0: Theoretically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so, not theoretically. So, in the very black letter of the constitution, okay. says so the states are in charge.
1: The states are in charge. So if 30 something states decided not to have an election, you don't need to have, you, there's no election.
0: Right. Well, that's what happened prior to the so-called civil war is you had lots of state legislators, legislatures who at that time, they elected the federal senators and they're like, the federal government is useless, it's tyrannical. we're not sending citizens we're not sending sitar- senators there. Mm-hmm. And the, they couldn't get business done. and so you had to well, that became one of the little ingredients in the you know, the maniacal mixture that became the Civil War was we've got to force these people. <laughs> to send senators so that we can get all this junk done. Like we can have
1: a quorum and yeah.
0: Right. So we can have a quorum so we can get things done so we can get these bills passed that are making the Vanderbilts very wealthy. For example, we got to get, and this is why
1: again, you know, we talk about like the, the, um, uh, uh, all the checks and balances on government. Well, there's another one that we never talk about that, that you don't, you know, uh, one of them, there's two actually right there. One that was the states that chose the senator and not an, and not an election. Right. right? And so they're supposed to represent the state. But the second thing is that is, is is hey, if we don't want things to get done, we just don't send it. And it makes everything. It's nullifi- nullification by absence.
0: Right. And that is that used to be a very powerful check on the federal government. However, that was a very powerful check on the federal government so they had to get rid of it. And the way you get rid of it was through an amendment. And the you notice that that amendment, the 17th Amendment, came quickly after the Civil War because the Civil War flipped, you know, it basically flipped the Constitution on its head. And it, for example, the 14th Amendment, which is the basis, Mike, for all y'all who are listening to Mike and watching, Mike, the 14th Amendment has been the jackhammer that completely obliterated the foundation of this federation, of this union. The constitution, the jackhammer that destroyed the, the wrecking ball that destroyed the constitutional structure was the 14th Amendment. You go look at every Supreme Court case, Roe versus Wade, you know Chisholm, um, Obergefell, look at all of those decisions and they're all based on the 14th Amendment, the 14th Amendment was never ratified. Simple as, never ratified. But who cares? When you tell someone, even conservatives today, when you're like, hey, let's do something about the fact that the 14th Amendment was never ratified, dude, we're not going to fight 100-year-old battles. Right. What do you mean? 100-year-old battles? Obergefell was decided you know, 20 years ago, we still have to put up with that nonsense. Now, no versus way, you know, those kind of things. That's not a hundred year old battle. That's a battle we need to fight today.
1: So, and I love this conversation because I think it's one of those uncomfortable conversations that we do have to have because the, the I agree the 14th amendment, you know, uh, made slaves of us all. I think it's, it, it was absolutely terrible, but I, I want you, cause you have a way about it. Talk to me. What makes the 14th amendment? Such a jackhammer, as you put it, to the well. The it's ideas it's of you know
0: this equal protection nonsense, right? Um, So what they'll end up using it, they'll use it as as the the wedge that just rips open the concept of equality into something that's not meant to be. Because Mike, here's the deal, and this is something repeated for the past three thousand years by philosophers: you cannot be free and equal. That those two concepts are contrary Mm -hmm. because you can't, we're not, you and I aren't equal in many ways. Right. Right. And because of that, we're free. If they had an enforced equality, then someone's losing some freedom. Either you or me or both of us are losing some freedom depending on who has the most power. So the 14th amendment says, you know, we have, well, if you just read the phrase, the phrasing is enough. Well, I should hope the phrasing would be enough for people to understand what's going on. It says that um, the no state, now Now this is, again, I always say the, the epitaph on the gravestone of the United States of America will say no state shall, because the 14th Amendment all of a sudden says, we as the federal government, now that we destroyed all of those militarily and occupied the South military and destroyed their self-government, now that we've created this sort of military junta government, we're now gonna say might makes right. And if you don't agree with us, we'll keep the troops down there, we'll keep harassing your people. Or you can agree and we'll come back home. You have your choice. Right. Well, that's not consent. Right? No. Do it or I'll shoot you. And you do it. That's called duress and it's a defense. It's not that's not consent, right? And so you know, obviously, but it says No state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Well, that's okay. Nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. That is the wedge that's been used to force all the states to accept the most ridiculous concepts of equality. Ever known to mankind. So you take that into consideration no state shall deprive any person within its jurisdiction of equal protection of law. Right. You take that, you marry it with the fact that people believe that the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter of what is and is not legal. And you've got this. This unholy alliance.
1: Well, and I think you need to add to that trinity of unholiness mm-hmm. is the is the idea that we know are no longer citizens of the state, but we're now citizens of this thing called the United States of America.
0: Right, and when you have that that the consolidation, as Henry Patrick Henry called it, the consolidation, mm-hmm. or as we, as good, um, you know, subjects would say, with our hand on our heart, "One nation, indivisible." You know, when you're four years old and you're being trained to adopt some sort of religious posture and repeat something completely contrary to constitutional fact, but it becomes fact, right? It's de facto. It's it's not de jure. It's not written down, but it's it's how we act. So mm-hmm. you've got this consolidation into one big country, which not supposed to happen. You've got the idea that the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter of what is and is not legal, and you've got the Fourteenth Amendment saying everybody has to be treated equally by all the states. Well, what does equally mean? Well, it means that if you own a bakery and a heterosexual couple comes in and says, Hey, we want a cake and you bake it. Well, if a gay couple comes in, you got to bake them a cake too. That's how they've defined equal. Right now. Look, this, I'm going to say something so controversial, Mike, you might not even want to put this out. You might want to, I know we're not oh, live. You might want to cut this part. Okay. <laughs> but I want people out there, please hear what I'm saying and listen to the logic of it. Don't engage your emotional, um, you know, racist core. Listen to the logic of what I'm saying. So, for example, the 14th Amendment was used to force property owners to serve black people. Now, prior to that, and not only in the South, please crack a book. New York was one of the most racist states. To this day, is one of the most racist states. I've never seen racism. I live in Memphis. My whole family lived here for two hundred years. I've never seen racism. I've seen economic bigotry, but I've never right. seen oh, that's a black person. Let's not deal. No, that's ridiculous. But right. now think about this: the Fourteenth minute. So you had a situation where if you owned a hotel. You could refuse to to rent a room to black people. There was nothing saying you couldn't do that. Well, there shouldn't be anything saying you couldn't do that. Right. And now here's the, the glory and beauty. Some people just heard that mic and they're like, oh my gosh, I knew that dude was a racist. Think about this. It's the complete paradox that the free market causes in ignorant people's minds if i say you as a hotel owner should and do in fact have a right not to serve a black person and someone hears that and they says that's racist that's someone who has been taught to call black white and white black because Mm -hmm. mike let's say you and i both have a hotel in i don't know let's pick a town um uh, I don't know, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Both of us have a hotel in Chattanooga. Okay. And you serve anybody. You don't care. Black, white, Asian, Indian, you don't care. Whereas I have a sign on my hotel that says whites only. Now, you can go and try to use the law, the 14th Amendment, which is no law, but you know what I'm saying. Right. And you can you can force me to accept black people. Is that going to make me less racist? No. no. Is it going to make me more money? Yes. Is that going to deprive you, the most non-racist, we serve black people guy, are you going to lose money? Yes. Yep. Because the government steps in there and through this twisted notion of equal protection will deprive you of the benefits of your, of your virtue and it will redistribute those benefits to the wicked. Right. So I end up prospering because now black people can stay in my, whereas you end up being damaged because now you cannot enjoy the benefits of your virtue. Of a of a
1: natural monopoly that you created. I didn't you, create it. You created it,
0: right? Otherwise, <laughs> you would have had all the black. But once we get this notion, and once we get kids from the age of five to eighteen, and we teach them equal protection, equal protection, e- you have to treat everybody equally.
1: But here's the here's the other problem: is that it totally flies in the face and is a hundred percent. 180 degrees away from the First Amendment, which gives us the right to associate with whoever we want to associate with.
0: But you don't have and that right anymore.
1: I, that, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, like that right, the, the 14th Amendment basically destroys the First Amendment.
0: 14th Amendment destroyed the Constitution, Mike. Fair enough. And it never was. I mean, guys, I've written an article. I, I just looked at it the other night because someone asked me to send them a link to it. And I'm, I don't like my work. I'm not one of those people that are proud of the things I do, but that article is really well done and I broke it down really well. The 14th amendment was never ratified legally. And so if you take that 14th amendment and, and today, like I said, I've tried to get to recruit people to this cause of, of having it, uh, you know, brought in for question. Let's, let's review the record. Let's review the votes. Nobody has the stomach for it because they're like, mm, "That's a hundred-year-old fight. We're not going to put, we're not going to put effort into that." When we'd rather fight over, let's eke out a one percent tax decrease.
1: Right. Well, can you can you give a quick Cliff Notes version? Because because I I had heard it, but I haven't looked into it. Yeah, so, I'll so send you cliff the link notes version can... on how it was not ratified.
0: Yeah, I'll send you the link to the article, and you can like put it in your okay, show. Okay. Yeah, notes we'll whatever. put that in the link. Perfect. But the Cliff Notes version is that boy the cliff notes version okay is there a Cliff Any, Notes version? well i'm gonna try i'm gonna try and this is another thing no one's gonna listen to your podcast after today man because now you've had joey say that people should be allowed not to serve gays not to serve black people and people are gonna be like that dude but understand Which is hilarious
1: because you said exactly the opposite
0: right you should be allowed to well you should be no that's what they're saying they're gonna say I heard him say that it's okay for not you not to serve. It is okay for you not to, because that will end up benefiting those people who are virtuous enough to not care about someone's you know skin color. But anyway, don't worry about that. Right? And the same with the bakery, man. Don't go to the attorney general and say, you've got to shut down Joey's bakery. He refused to serve me and my, you know, partner. No, go to the guy who serves everybody, man. Well,
1: because it it, it it it's again, it creates that consol- consolidated power. Consolidated government yeah. means consolidated power, and now they can, you know, they they okay. have the inference to go into everybody's life and muck it
0: up. Right. So, the Cliff Notes version is Abraham Lincoln, when reading the Constitution, he could not exercise certain powers and admit that the South was at war with the Union because his powers would be more restricted in a a time of war than it would Mm -hmm. be if he claimed it was an insurrection. Well, an insurrection is not what happened because there was no attempt to overthrow the government of the Union. It was simply, we're leaving the Union, right? So if you belong to a club and the members of that club start – I don't know. Every, you know, you meet once a week for an hour and you have dinner and you talk about politics. Well, you get there and they everybody's smoking and you're like, "Yeah, I don't want to be in this club anymore." And you withdraw. Well, okay, that's that's fine. You ab- absolutely have that right. But what if you're let's say there's 30 members of the club and every week y'all have a big dinner and the non-smokers are paying the bill for dinner. And once the non-smokers are like, yeah, everybody's smoking, we're out, and y'all start to leave, and they say, hey, now we can't have the kind of dinner we used to have, drag those people back in by force. Right. That's what the Civil War was. Well, it was no yeah. war at all. because. And how do you know this? There was never a declaration of war. Just as there was never a declaration of peace, Andrew Johnson simply said, yeah, we're not fighting anymore. Well, okay. I thought you said it was a civil war. Well, civil war means two or more two or more entities fighting for control of a government. That's not what happened. Right? I wasn't trying to change you from people who smoke to non-smokers. I just didn't want to hang out with smokers. I didn't say you should stop smoking. I just said, I don't want to be around you when you're smoking and I'm out. Right. That's all that happened. So there was no civil war and it was no insurrection. There was no attempt to, you know, to overthrow a government at all. There was no attempt at any of that. But Abraham Lincoln saw and said, okay, here's what we have to do. We have to pretend it's an insurrection. That that constitutionally endows me with uh, a wider latitude of power. And so after that was all, you know, carried out and after the, the uh, South, was defeated militarily now Abra- now think about this you got this is some people think this is too complex it really isn't according to abraham lincoln the states never left okay they were simply okay. in a state of insurrection but they were still states now after the war so to speak the government said in order to rejoin the union, wait a minute, I thought we never left the union. In order to rejoin the union, you have to ratify this slate of amendments, including the 14th. You have to ratify the 14th amendment. So we're not states? No. But the constitution says only states can ratify amendments. Right. Right. So you, You guys have to do that. But you just said we weren't states. No, you are states. Oh, good. So we can send representatives. Nope. Not until you ratify the 14th amendment so we're not states nope then how do we ratify because you're states you never left the union wait a minute you just said we did and we have to get back in it how do we get back in something we never left just vote no that doesn't make any sense in comes the army and occupies the south and turns it into military districts and literally by force has people has the state governments saying you will not be recognized as a state government, unless you vote to ratify the 14th Amendment. Even so, states voted no. Oregon voted no, right? Illinois, New Jersey. You had states saying, wait a minute, this is not constitutional. You had the fact that they would kidnap representatives who were voting against it and hold them so they couldn't show up for the vote. I mean, this is all historical record. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is fact, and you can read it. And it was never, but once they got the requisite number of states, they said, done. It's been, wait a minute. So now <laughs> we're states. Right, now you're states. But five seconds ago, we ratified an amendment to get become states again. Right, it's weird, but that's what happened. That doesn't make any sense. No. So it's unconstitutional from beginning to end that's the cliff notes version but now when you read the full story it's it's so it's it's despicable and to think that that happened if you read if you took the names off of that story you would think it was some banana republic with some sort of military junta you know some sort of nicaragua or or panama or something circa 1986
1: well you, I, honestly it sounds a whole lot like the end of the the Roman republic with all these infighting and all of this you know, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. It's you. You have a great article, by the way, on the on uh, the Battle of Philippi, and and mm-hmm. um, you know, and 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 it, you can feel that same kind of tension of just like the circular arguments and and the the lust for power that that people had in order to do whatever it took. It didn't matter right. what was legal, moral, or otherwise.
0: Right, and you had the Senate. You know, when Augustus, when Octavian became the emperor, and became Augustus. He the Senate are like, well, we're not going to show up. Senators were like, why are we going to show up? And he's like, because if you don't, people will realize that we have a king and we're not allowed constitutionally to have a king. So Augustus would have legionnaires would have the members of the military drag these senators to the yeah. Senate building just to sit there all day to pretend they were actually debating. And he would have the consuls sign off on them. He would have the Senate sign off, the tribune sign up. But none of none of it was real. It was all a facade of republicanism cover you know, a thin, thin diaphanous veil of right. republicanism covering this absolutism, this autocracy. And so, yeah, that's what happened in the 14th Amendment. So you had, you're not a state, and if you want to become one again, you have to ratify this. But only states can ratify. Wait a minute, then how can I ratify? Just do it. Just and even it. when states said no, and then you had I mean, this is okay. Another sort of controversial thing about the Fourteenth, you had a change of legislature in many states that had vote. So okay. let's say uh, let's say Arizona, the current legislature votes to ratify the Fourteenth. Well, before enough of the states do, before the Fourteenth Amendment becomes the Fourteenth Amendment, when it's just a proposal, by the time it's working its way through the necessary number of states, there's a there's an election in Arizona, and they have an entire, not an entire new crop, but they have several new legislators elected and they bring up, okay, let's vote on this 14th amendment thing. The president, the Congress, the federal government said, no, 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 you've already voted. What do you mean already <laughs> voted, Kimo Sabe? Someone else voted. I didn't vote. Right. Well, yeah, but they were the legislature. They were the legislature. They're not now. Right. I'm the lead. The people elected me. That's Republicanism. If you take the vote of the guy who was defeated, you are robbing the people of representative government. And that violates article four of the constitution, wherein the states are guaranteed a Republican form of government. And they said, yes. So what? Don't care. Wow. We're going to count your vote, even though you've rescinded it. And the states would be like, well, what do we do about this? And at that time, Mike, I mean, look at the date. Look at the date of the 14th Amendment. Ratified 1868. Do you think maybe the people were a little weary of battle? A yeah. little weary of dying? You had one-fourth of the men 18 to 40 in the South were killed. I think the people all over the country were just a little tired of the bloodshed. And we're like, okay, we can either stand up to this, or just give in to the whole might makes right, and we can say that, fine, whatever. Even though, but I'm telling you, when I, I'll I'll send you the link and yeah, do that the story. The story it's it's really disheartening because, again, why does it? Matter? People are saying that's a battle you're going to fight a war, you're going to fight a an arcane constitutional war that took place in 1868. I'm like, yes, because that phrase from that 1868 document is being used to force people to have drag queens read to children.
1: Yeah, or 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 force men to to wrestle women in force, sports.
0: Yes, it is forcing teachers to call that little boy Miss. Mm-hmm. It is forcing counties to issue marriage license to two homosexuals with the very word marriage implies the giving of a virgin girl to a man. But we don't care because of the arcane constitutional argument from 140 years ago. Yeah, 160 years ago. Sign me up for that arcane argument because that arcane argument is the wrecking ball that has destroyed liberty in this union. It's not some arcane you know, 160-year-old argument. It's yeah. now, it's present. There is no more present argument than the 14th Amendment was not legally ratified. And don't get me started on the 13th. People are like, Abraham Lincoln, you know, he's a great emancipator. Man, I, it's times when I talk about Abraham Lincoln, I really want to lose my religion. You know, kind of the way he did by making fun of Christianity his whole life. You know that, uh. kind of <laughs> um, but you had the Thirteenth Amendment that, for the first time, legalized slavery throughout the Union, and people are like, "Nah, that set the slaves free." Hmm. The Thirteenth Amendment says, "Slavery and involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, cannot exist in the United States." Okay, if I say, Mike, you can have anything in my house you want except everything that isn't in the bathroom, then you can't have anything in my house. Right. Anymore. So the 13th Amendment, that's the way Lincoln and his Marxist cohorts, racist, you want to read the most racist things you've ever read? Read the Springfield Debate's where Lincoln says B- back, black people are like gorillas and there's no way we should be able to force to be live near them or work near them. That if they marry white people, it's a disgrace and disgusting and he wouldn't have dinner with them. Go out, do crack a book, y'all. The great emancipator, my arse. Yes, arse. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. But <laughs> you have that. So guess what happens? What happens is all I have to do now, so I can have slavery as a punishment for a crime, so I'm going to make it a crime to do things that are typical of black people. Right. da we win, yay. We get slavery, and we get to look like we're not racist. Right. So this is the stuff, man, that drives me insane, but why does none of it matter in a sense? Because you cannot undo any of this while we still have 92% of American kids, 98, sorry, it's 2% that aren't, 98% of American kids being sent to indoctrination camps for 13 years. That's right. And parents, when you come home, how was school? Fine. Okay. See you an hour for dinner. Can I eat dinner in my room? Yes. Spending eight hours with a socialist teacher who you know, wouldn't know free market if it sat on our face and wiggled.
1: And so the bottom line, the moral of the story, you get the society that you deserve.
0: Right. We're going to continue having we, generation after generation that praises Caesar because we have generation after generation being educated in Rome.
1: Yep. Well, our time is running short. I Joey, see. That, how can man. people find more of your amazing writing and and thoughts and teaching?
0: Where can yeah, can find my, you? my writing these days, I'm I'm writing full-time for The New American again. It's thenewamerican.com, and my articles are usually featured articles because I, I take constitutional issues and or take contemporary issues and look at them through a constitutional lens. Uh, I did do a two-part series on the history of the Speaker of the House because something that happened was Justin Amash's name, and Justin Amash is not a member of the House of Representatives, but you don't have to be a member of the House of Representatives to be Speaker of the House. Um and so, I wrote a two-part series on that and uh, the FBI investigating Catholics, investigating Christians because they say they're teaching extremist doctrine. They're, uh, they are. He said, you know, the FBI says that those people are creating insurrectionists. These Christians are creating insurrectionists by suggesting that men and women have uh, separate gender roles and that women should submit to men, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the epi- but anyway, Um My books are on Amazon, just my name, Joe Wolverton. Um, that's- and then my podcast will be starting up again uh, next week, I guess, I hope.
1: Fantastic. So, yeah, Teacher, Teacher of, Liberty of Liberty on
0: YouTube, on YouTube and uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Teacher of Liberty. But if you want day in, day out, read the kind of stuff that's going to get me, you know, thrown into a black site prison just go to the new <laughs> i'll
1: be there with you joey all, all right, right. Really? yes sir <laughs> we'll be the you best soon. looking
0: guys in the uh, in the internment camp right <laughs> that's a that's
1: a plan there's, there, there's a couple ways to get skinny i guess oh there you too, go too there you go
0: mike is gone
1: you are listening to end of love
0: remain gone but not forgotten First out of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. Trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization.